Let me invite you, if you have a Bible with you this morning, or to grab the one in front of you in the pews, and to open back up to Luke's Gospel, the first chapter. We're going to pick up Mary's story at verse 39 this morning. To bring you back just briefly kind of to where we are uh, in Advent and in the things we talked about last week. In, in listening into Mary's story, we talked about this idea that there is an invitation not only for Mary, but for each of us um, to notice where it is that God is at work in our world, and particularly in our, in our own context, in our own life. And what it might look like for us to choose to participate with God and what he's up to, 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 to sort of form what we call prayers of participation uh, in our own lives. And that, uh, in many ways, is, is a personal thing. It's, uh, it's an individual thing, right, to discern in your relationship with God. What word is God sending you? What door might he be opening for you? And we talked about sort of using this Advent season to be listening for that, um, to consider that. And, and so... Actually, on the last Sunday of this month, right before the new year, we'll give you a chance to to sort of maybe make that more concrete and and to write that out or to express that in some way. But again, this is uh, something that I think we need time as individuals to, to pray through and to consider. But this morning, as we continue our study in Luke's Gospel, I want us to, to think about how participating in God's work and in, in the mission maybe that He has for us is not just something for us to do individually. It's never just a solitary pursuit. Um, it's, it's bigger than that. I think as, as Americans, as Westerners, maybe even just as human beings, we tend to gravitate toward the accomplishments of individuals. Sorry, my clicker doesn't seem to be working here. Let's see if I can get it to, to move forward here. Right, we, we tend to, to make heroes out of, of people who are, are gifted, people who are tenacious, people who are brilliant in some way. Whatever it is about them, they end up doing and accomplishing great things. Right? We are drawn to documentary films about these people. We read their biographies. We put posters up on our walls out of admiration. Right? Individuals like Bono or Serena Williams in the athletic world or Martin Luther King, they, they fascinate us. They catch our attention. But what we maybe often overlook or or can miss in our admiration is that these are individual people, but much of what they have accomplished is because people have walked alongside them in in their mission, in their efforts, um, in their pursuits. Bono would have never become a household name without The Edge and Larry Mullen Jr. and Adam Clayton, the, the band U2 that surrounds him. Right, Serena Williams always had her older sister Venus right, kind of paving the way for her as she became one of the, the greatest tennis players in, in, in modern history. And, and even MLK had a number of collaborators along the way in his efforts uh, in the civil rights movement, people like Rosa Parks and, and John Lewis, and I mean, we could think of probably half a dozen others. In many ways, the the bigger the mission, the bigger uh, the things that need to be accomplished, the more we need other people to share in in that mission, in that work with us. 
And so as we come back into Luke's account, the gospel story this morning, for, for the next few weeks, most of our attention is going to be given to Mary and her personal story, her personal journey with the Holy Spirit and, and in giving birth to Jesus and the implications that had for her, but also for the, the rest of the world. But, but, but there's, there's more to Mary's story than, than just what happens with her. Last week, we, we talked about her receiving and, and consenting to God's specific work in her life. Right? What began as a, a prayer of trepidation in, in the angel Gabriel's visit with her moved into sort of a, a time and prayer of imagination. And then finally, the way that story concluded last week was Mary praying a prayer of participation, right? Let, let your word, let your work in me be fulfilled. Let it be as, as you've said it will be. That, that prayer of participation, though, at a personal level, quickly gives way to, to a shared participation with someone else. Almost immediately, God takes Mary's individual story and begins to connect it to others. And this morning, we're going to see how God almost immediately connects Mary to another pregnant mother, another person who God is deeply at work in their story, but maybe who's just a few steps, a few trimesters ahead of Mary in this process. And so as we're thinking about where God might be guiding us in our own individual lives, in our own personal circumstances, I want us to to open up space to think about how that might also be a shared experience with, with other brothers and sisters in the year ahead. Let me pray for us as we open up um, Luke's gospel together. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the word of God made flesh given to us. We have an opportunity to read the written word this morning, but also to remember um, its living power, its testimony that that you are a God who comes among us and reveals your plans and purposes. Lord, I thank you that we all share this word together. And I pray that as I preach, may the words that I offer individually from my mouth, may they be pleasing to you. But may they also move us corporately and collectively to be pleasing, to move our hearts and our lives um, into a prayer of participation. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. So this is Luke 1, verse 39 and 40. This comes immediately after Gabriel's um, visit to Mary. This is sort of scene two in, in Mary's story. It says, At that time Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home, and she greeted Elizabeth. If we're to, to take Luke's account kind of at a literal level, verse 39 says that, that almost immediately, you know, after this vision of, of Gabriel's visit, Mary rose up. And, and the very next thing, maybe the very next day, she began making plans to go see Elizabeth. The text says that she, she did this almost immediately, and as she traveled even, she traveled with this sense of haste, of urgency of hurry. We have to, I think, wonder what, what is it that's driving Mary? What lit this fire in her to make 
a journey to go see Elizabeth. Why is this so important to her? And I, I also wonder about how she made this journey so suddenly. Right? Mary, we don't get all the details here, but we understand she's quite a young woman, would not have been uh, acceptable or even safe for a young woman to make a journey of 60 or 70 miles on her own. So did she have to go find some friends? Did she have to talk to some family members to, to, to go with her to visit her relative Elizabeth? I don't know. But what we do know is that she, she does this with some sense of urgency or importance, sort of first priority for her. And we know that she goes, and, and the reason for her journey is to greet her relative, her cousin, Elizabeth. I think to be with her face-to-face, right? to, to share the experience that she's just had with this angelic visitation. And I, and I wonder if, if part of, of the greeting, of, of part of the desire to be with Elizabeth is, is to sort of run by her all that's just taken place and say, can you help me out with this? Does this make sense? Am I, am I crazy? It seems like God is doing something incredible. And he mentioned to me in that visit that he's doing something similar in your life. Can we compare notes? Right? Can, can you help me process this together? I think Mary may be looking to Elizabeth both as a, as a family member and as a friend, but maybe also as a mentor, someone who's walked with the Lord longer than she has. I also wonder, as Mary arrives and greets Elizabeth, how much Elizabeth knows about this whole story, about angelic visitations and and what's involved, the implications for her pregnancy. Because if we go back earlier in Luke's Gospel, you'll remember that Gabriel visited Zechariah, not Elizabeth. Right? It was her husband who received the angelic visit in that case. And and because of Zechariah's disbelief or or whatever was happening in that that interaction, Zechariah is struck dumb. So Zechariah has not been able at least to speak about his encounter with his wife. Whether he wrote it out, whether he expressed it in some other way, we we don't know. So maybe, you know, Mary is bringing news uh, in in a new way, right, from Gabriel to share with Elizabeth. Elizabeth didn't get... Gabriel's visit, but she gets this unexpected visit from Mary. And one of the things that Mary could communicate, based on what we we got in the passage from last week, is that Elizabeth's pregnancy, the the fact that she is pregnant well past her, her childbearing years, was a sign to Mary and will be a sign to others about God's power to do the unexpected. God's ability to do that which we would otherwise deem impossible. And as as Gabriel told Mary, Elizabeth's pregnancy is a sign that any word from God cannot and will not fail. Right, if if Mary is needing someone to talk to and to process these things with, then I imagine maybe Elizabeth also needed a friend, someone who could uniquely understand her circumstance and situation. So we're told Mary hurries over 70 miles of of road from Nazareth down to Judea to greet Elizabeth, probably to encourage her to find kinship with her. 
but I think probably also to begin preparing herself for the journey of motherhood that's ahead. Right? They can encourage one another. Elizabeth is uniquely positioned to speak into Mary's life. It's interesting to think about these two mothers and their partnership with one another, and then to think about how the sons that they give birth to, right, John and Jesus, will also be partners in mission. What God has called them into has this, this overlap. It's joined them together. So as we're thinking in this Advent season about how God may be at work in your life, what doors maybe he's opening, what challenges maybe you're facing, what, what word he may be sending to you. I also want you to think about who has God perhaps uniquely positioned to share in that with you, to greet this new chapter of your life with you. Right? Typically, in my experience, when God is at work in our lives and challenging us or, or doing something new in us, he doesn't ask us to do that alone. He usually sends people alongside. And I think that's what we see here in Mary's story. Look with me at how this story continues in verse 41. <clears throat> it says, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, as she opened the door, as she came into the house, the baby in Elizabeth's womb leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke tells us that as Mary chooses to make this journey, that the Spirit comes alongside Mary's plan, Mary's purpose. Something tremendous begins to happen in this visitation. Right? I, I sense like the, the power and presence of heaven being released upon the earth in this moment. And her act of, of going to Elizabeth and encouraging her, of being present to her, of, of, of reviewing the plans of God that, that God has for both of them, triggers an act and, and the work of the Holy Spirit. And we see a couple different spirit-filled responses that come out of this visit in this single verse. The first sort of spirit-filled reaction is what happens with John, baby John, in utero. Right? There's this sort of dance party that's, that kicks off inside the womb, and, and I don't know how or, or exactly how she knew it was different than usual, but it's, it's with enough intensity that, that Elizabeth can't help but notice something's happening. Right? And that it's connected to Mary's voice, Mary's presence, Mary's greeting. It's almost like John the Baptist is, is doing everything in his sort of in, in utero powers to make his mother aware of, of who is visiting him, of the greatness, of, of the presence of the Messiah that's just entered their home. And we know that, that John was conceived. This was God's plan for John to do this very thing throughout his life, right? to turn attention upon Jesus, to turn eyes to Jesus, to notice the presence of the one God was sending into the world. The Spirit fills this moment so that John can, can begin to do this, even, even from within the, the womb. 
I love going back and, and reading what some of the earliest Christians said and thought about these things. And I found in my study this week uh, a hymn that goes back to the late 300s. It was written by a, a songwriter in the, the church in the fourth century named Prudentius. And in, in his Christmas carol, he put this moment uh, like this. He said, the babe in senile womb greets through his mother's lips the virgin son, our Lord. For speechless yet, he caused her mouth to herald Christ as God. Right? The spirit is, is assisting, it's coming alongside his humanity to enable this to happen. And it's, it's done, I think, in order to remind Mary and Elizabeth both that God is deeply at work in them, inside of their bodies, but also inside of their spirits. God is, is doing this incredible thing. And, and God wants to reassure them of his nearness, right? That he's with them in this new thing. The story often makes me think of uh, an experience Katie and I had when she was pregnant with Josie. Um, there was a point right around the same end of the second trimester that John's in here, um, where we went to the doctor and we you know, went in for our usual checkup. Um, but we're told that there were some concerns with her pregnancy at that point in time. Um, they were concerned about the, uh, the position of her placenta, that it was, it was too low. And they warned us that this could be something more serious, um, that if it didn't change, that, that Katie may be um, asked to, to do you know, sort of bed rest for the third trimester. Um, and, and we sort of naturally became pretty anxious, pretty concerned, not wanting you know, her to be induced prematurely into labor. And so uh, we began to ask you know, our friends, people that were close with us, our family members, to pray. And we actually decided to give Josie her name Josie at that time so people could pray for her by name um, at the, the second trimester. And I, I remember being you know, prayerful but also worried and concerned about what was going to happen for a few weeks. Um, but we had scheduled a follow-up with an, another specialist, uh, I think it was probably three or four weeks after the first visit, to assess how serious the risk was. Um, and when we came back to that visit, not only did the doctor share good news with us that the, the placenta had raised several inches, that things were in a much safer position than they had been, um, but he also did an ultrasound. And he took this snapshot of Josie, and I'm, I'm embarrassing Josie now. And she's always like, why are you always talking about me, Dad? Um, to send home with us. You know, they were showing us that she was healthy, she was moving around, they could show us the position. But we, Katie and I both couldn't help but notice that in, in the snapshot that they just happened to take, she had two fingers up and, you know, holding them up for the camera in what we interpreted as a peace sign, you know, just sort of like, mom and dad, I'm, I'm okay. Things are going to be all right. Uh, you can relax. You can rest in this. Right, she was sending us a message that, you know, rationally I couldn't explain that, but in some way I think the Spirit was was giving us courage even from inside the womb. In this second trimester of John's pregnancy, right, as, as Mary and Elizabeth are joined together, as they, they bring together probably all the worries and the fears and the concerns they carry inside of them, probably Mary is still sorting things out with Joseph at this point, right, all of the complexity that's going to come along in their relationship because of this child. 
Right? In this moment, the Holy Spirit is affirming, I am with you. I am in this with you. Do not be afraid. Right? This, is, this is a cause for joy. Something incredible is taking place. And by filling them with his spirit in this moment, God is also suggesting that he will fulfill. He will be responsible for, for carrying out the plans he has for them. Verse 41 says, not only did, did the spirit stir John, but also Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And now it's her turn to greet Mary. Look at verses 42 through 45 in conclusion this morning. Elizabeth, in a loud voice, exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And so we've seen Mary's obedience, Mary's initiative, Mary's faithfulness in making this surprise journey and the blessing that that results in. But now we, we see it turn back the other way. And we see Elizabeth here being filled with a, a prayer or a song of blessing. You can see that word at, at several places in these few verses. Elizabeth blesses Mary. Elizabeth blesses the child in her womb. Elizabeth blesses anyone who, who believes in God as deeply as Mary does and believes that God will keep his promises. They will be blessed. All right, blessing is how Elizabeth begins her song. Blessing is how she ends her song. And again, I think this is an invitation for, for how it is God desires to work in and among his people and, and as we come together. All right, when was the last time you took a moment to physically, you know, with your own mouth, bless someone else? A friend, a family member, someone you're close with. All right, we, we so often we can use our words to judge other people. We can use our words to be critical. We can use our words to control other people. But I think as, as the word of God grows in us and, and fills us up, and as the Holy Spirit is at work in us, more and more God desires our, our tongues to be, to be used to bless one another, to speak about what God is doing. And it doesn't have to be poetic thing. It doesn't have to be some big thing. It can be the simple practice of noticing, right, and naming where you see God at work in someone's life, where God may be using someone, where you see evidence of God's goodness in someone's life, and, and just saying so, adding your encouragement, right? It could, it could be in offering a sincere compliment to them. It could be in writing a note or a card. It could come in, in offering prayer for them, to them. Right? But, it, but it's speaking to someone in the presence of God, in the presence of God's goodness and work in their life. And just saying, I, I see that, I notice it. Elizabeth, I think, blesses Mary and encourages her. 
But we also see right in the middle of her blessing Mary that she notices something else happening. In verse 43, Elizabeth says that by blessing Mary, she is blessed. Almost by proximity, almost by association, right? Just the sound of Mary's voice, just the the, the proximity of, of the child whom Mary bears in her womb, which will be the presence of God made flesh, right? These things are conduits of joy back to Elizabeth. She rejoices. She's filled with, with the pleasure of God. Again, I think that too is instructive to us. Because so often as we begin to, to participate in the work of God, as we begin to bless others, as we begin to serve others, pay attention to what God is doing in them, right? it comes back to us in a, a different way. I think about so often when I maybe visit someone who's in the hospital or someone who's at home and is going through something difficult, and how often I go there maybe because I, I hope to bring encouragement or or God's, you know, just a presence in prayer to them, and then I end up being deeply encouraged by what, what they speak back to me, where I see evidence of God working in them. Right? There's, there's a beauty to the way God has designed this, because usually when we exchange blessing, it's not unilaterally. It's not like I go as the giver, and you're the receiver, and it's just a one-way thing. Right? Most often, God works through mutual participation through sharing blessing, right? He draws us together into what he's up to. And so one moment I might be pouring out blessing, serving someone, encouraging someone, and, and in the next moment, God may be using someone to fill me back up and to bless me in return. Right, there's, there's this back and forth. So as, as we wrap up this morning, I, I want to again come back to that prayer practice I outlined last week for this whole month of December and Advent. Where is God working? Right? What word is God sending to you? What door is God opening for you personally? And I want you to keep, keep that as a point of prayer this month, to listen for that. Maybe to write it down, to journal about it. But as you're doing that on a, on a private and a personal level, Think about who might be someone you could share that with, you could talk to about it. You could process and run that by. Maybe it's someone here at JCC you could connect with for a couple minutes after the service today. Maybe it's our prayer team up front. Maybe there's someone you'd like to go visit or to invite to visit you, to grab lunch with, to call some evening this, this week if they are hard to get together with in person. Right, but to share about where, where is God moving? Where are maybe there are challenges? Where are there things you are still processing and can't quite figure out? Take the time to share that, but also maybe listen to them in return, to bless each other. Right, to share in the work of our God who, who in Advent draws near to us so that we could draw near to him, individually but also as a body. Let me pray for us that God would would continue the work he was beginning in Mary and Elizabeth. Holy Spirit, I believe in your power to fill us, to bring joy to us, and to speak specific things to each one of us that we need to hear, that we need to trust, that we need to know. 
And so I just I pray in, in this month you would be speaking specifically to each one of us. And that the result of, of that listening to your voice, we would have courage, we would have strength, we would have clarity to know and to trust that you are with us, you are in these things, and you are good. Pray these things in your name. Pray these things as your people. Amen.